0: Once you give up your food, do a last mile partner, you know, a delivery partner, like it's gone, right? And so you yeah. have to figure out what are you gonna do before then in your workflow to try to give, you know, a
1: fighting chance. What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give An Ovation growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give and Ovation. I am joined today by Chris for the founder, CEO, and booked on uh, LinkedIn as the El Conquistador of Flight. Um, it's a 14-year-old company, really excited to talk about that, but he's, it is a unifier of restaurant technology. He's the only person I've ever seen that shares a LinkedIn profile picture with Elmo. Um, he's all about creating moments, and I'm hoping to have a few good ones today on this podcast. I know we will. So, Chris, first off, thank you for joining us, and what does Flight do?
0: Hey, th- thanks. for having me. Um, you know, Flight is a is a U.S. based uh, technology company for restaurants. So, you know, I've been around uh, the restaurant industry for a long time. In fact, uh, the best job I ever had, hands down, was delivering pizzas
1: at Pizza Hut. No joke. Mm.
0: And is that because uh, you got
1: you grabbed a slice every time? you took your uh, tax out of
0: it. <laughs> I mean, I was, I was young. I was like 18, you know, but it was great. I would work the Sunday shift. The, the GM would call me uh, when the first delivery order came in and then I would wake up get in the shower. And you know, by the time it was out of the oven, I'd, I'd be there ready to take it. So it was like, you know, it was, I don't know. We just had a blast. That's awesome. But uh, yeah. So uh, you know, we've been around for a while and um I really love workflow and automation from a technology sack. Like I'm a, I'm a big introverted nerd. And uh, at the same time, I really love the experience of food. And so I was in a, uh, in a restaurant in Toledo, Ohio, like 10 years ago and their, uh, their point of sale system crashed. And I like, you know, reconnected some cables and then got some free beer out of it and was like, hey, this, is, <laughs> this is pretty all right, you know? And so uh, since then, you know, we've really looked at, how we're going to create this unified approach for restaurants. Because, uh, you know, if you're hanging out, knowing anything about restaurants, you know that a lot of the technology that's inside of them is disparate, you know, a lot of things don't talk to each other. And even if they do, it's a square peg to a round hole. And I always, you know, jokingly say like, if you're going to put a square peg into a round hole, you always got to shave off the corners. And uh-huh. you know, we don't want to do that. We want to create a seamless, unified umbrella experience for people that's really easy so that they don't have to think about where they're going to go and source different pieces of technology from. And then they can focus on making opportunities available to the people that are there in the restaurants have amazing memories and great experiences.
1: I love that. I love that you're all about those moments and those experiences because truly hospitality and food. Yes, there's a survival component, but once you get past survival, it's about bringing people together, right? It's about mm-hmm. uh, joining and, and breaking that bread together. And, and it creates this this intimate setting uh, that we just love. And that's the whole reason that people like us get into hospitality. So you know, going along with hospitality and technology, it's something that's had a lot of issues over the years. Um, and so talk to me about your philosophy of is it one tool to rule them all or is it about finding the best and integrating this has been a discussion that has been as old as restaurant technology as old as technology itself what do you do do you go with one group that does everything or do you want to find the best pieces and make them connect
0: you know it it's funny <clears throat> excuse me man i've had this horse in my throat for days you're fine. not not covid <laughs> Oh, okay.
1: I know uh, right now. Nowadays, yeah. if you like clear your throat in a restaurant, you get like, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, side so, eye.
0: So much for evergreening this podcast. Anyway, <laughs> uh, you know, uh, so, uh, you know, I've always looked at the existential technology differences between like an Apple and a Windows. Windows is like, hey, you can do anything you want with it. Anybody can talk to it and write in. And then Apple's kind of this closed ecosystem, you know. And uh, I always looked at uh, the point of sale in the restaurant world as saying, you know, everybody is trying to have this open ecosystem and nobody's really doing it well because you got all these legacy POSs that are really difficult to get info into and out of. And the the stuff that's coming out and cloud-based and a little bit newer is still not quite where it would need to be in order to have a truly good experience that way. And so for a really long time, I thought, you know, if we create a really good POS product, that has its tentacles into some other things that we've either built or licensed and make sure that that's a seamless approach. Like that would be enough. And I think before COVID it probably was, Uh, but with COVID things are finally in this industry. Thankfully, innovation is happening, you know, money's flowing in and, and things are happening venture capital wise and otherwise. So there's a lot of new players that are coming into this space. And as the market continues to evolve and people want their meals in different ways, going to be more and more opportunities for technology to come in and there's just no way that one single closed platform can be able to keep up to that demand and that innovation level and so i really have eaten my words on that over the last couple of, of months here and i believe that what's important is to have a really wonderful platform that has unification in the major spokes of that wheel so you know i look at the first major one as point of sale and omni-channel point of sale. So that means wherever you're ordering online, on mobile, on a kiosk, on a tabletop, or on any sort of traditional device, uh, device that a server would use that you've got gift and loyalty and ordering all tied in and very unique and seamless. I know that that's something that, you know, large brands have spent a lot of money to do, but, you know, for our core customers that are like, you know, 25 stores, 20 stores, Uh, it becomes really difficult to find something that's seamless and that really works in those spaces. So we've really tried to answer that question over the first part of this year. And now, obviously, we're moving on to the second piece, which is, you know, what do we do with this third party integrations and delivery and all of that stuff? And, you know, it's my view on those that in order to have a really good methodology for that, you've got to do four things. One is, all of the menus that you have in your point of sale system need to be able to flow seamlessly to your online and mobile ordering and then to those third parties without a whole lot of human intervention. The Second thing is that those orders obviously have to th- flow back through those third parties into the point of sale. The third thing is that we need those orders that happen on your native mobile and online ordering platforms for delivery to be able to be sent back out and bid out to the drivers that are on those third-party delivery platforms. And then uh, fourth, we need to figure out a way, how do we get those orders that are coming in off of those third-party ordering companies onto the native platforms? So how do we move those customers to a direct relationship? And, and those are the big, the big four things that we're trying to answer and unify over the next three, four, five months to really give a seamless approach to the ecosystem. Notwithstanding the stuff that we tie in from phones and internet and digital signage and other things that you would expect to kind of tie into a, to a technology stack for a restaurant.
1: So why hasn't this been done before?
0: Well, I think part of it is money, right? And part of it is where the money is coming from and what the business models are of the companies that are getting the mo- the money in a large scale fashion. You know, you've got some cool companies that are getting a handful of million bucks to develop one-off pieces of technology, which, you know, they're cool, but again, it's still square peg round hole, right? And so then you have companies like, you know, Toast or Revel that, you know, I mean, Toast is what, like 460 billion bill- worth-, worth of investment at this point, right? And, uh, you know, they're effectively a credit card company. And so, you know, their methodology is going to be different because of where they're, they're trying to make their valuation rise. And so I think it's been more difficult for people to look at unification in those places just simply because it's not the focus of their business where for us it is, you know, we're, we're not interested in having 60 or 70,000 merchants. We don't have 1,500 people in a sales and marketing department trying to drum up just enough business to sustain the attrition that we have. You know, we're a smaller company. We believe in long-term profits predicated over a long-term relationship that, you know, works for, for both parties. And uh, we're a lot more picky and choosy about the customers that we work with. So, you know, we're not out there just trying to take anybody off the street that comes in. We're really looking for, you know, one of the six customer types that we have that we know that we're really good at handling and servicing and making sure that we're really profitable and they're really profitable so that it's a win-win
1: symbiotic relationship. So let's, let's talk a little bit about you know, you, you talked about third party, about how the menus need to flow, the orders need to flow back, menus need to flow to, orders need to flow back, mm. online ordering needs to bid out to the drivers, and that we need to get those third party to first party. Right. Right. Uh, do you see what changes do you see happening over the next year with third-party delivery systems? Do you because the way that it is right now, do you see that being sustainable? Let's start there.
0: Well, I mean, it's sustainable if those tools are used as a customer acquisition tool. You know, the fact that uh, one of these third-party companies is taking effectively one third of the order, if they're going to deliver it is not sustainable. Right. But if, you know, if you look at one or two of those per customer as a client acquisition tool, well then, you know, then it's a numbers game and it's more of a marketing tool, right. And a sales tool than it is, um, like an an operational expense. Right. Yeah. so I think it's really important to look at things from an avenue of owning the relationship with the customer. You know, we, um, In this day and age, we we think a lot about social media and we think a lot less about emails. You know, your direct online ordering platform you're gonna get some email addresses. And it's been shown that that's a really effective way, especially in the restaurant industry, to stay in touch with and get people on board with what you're trying to do in your business. And so the more people that we can convert into that direct relationship, the more information you're gonna have and the easier it's going to be to retarget them and get them coming back for more and more and more. And you know, certainly that plays into loyalty and gift and other things that you could do, piggybacking on those relationships to make the, uh, the customer relationship even more tight.
1: But do you think these third-party delivery companies are going to get more and more intense about shutting down ways that restaurants can communicate directly with those customers?
0: Well, I mean, they're going to have to, right? But- at the same time, my hope is that there'll be enough pushback to where the fees come down to a reasonable level. I mean, I get that we're in the middle of a pandemic and you know, not a whole lot of people are taking uh, Uber rides these days, but within the last couple of months, Uber Eats has surpassed the Uber car sharing or carpool service as its top performing division. So like, you know, they're making money hand over fist. If you look at the whole picture on a delivery order from Uber Eats, Uber is basically taking a forty-five percent cut. They're they're tacking on a fifteen percent fee on top to the consumer. You know, mm-hmm. so I, I think that there's a, a huge amount of margin there that has not been compressed to a reasonable level in the third-party delivery space. And at some point, I think that that's probably going to happen. I mean, you're certainly seeing pushback from a lot of municipalities you know, New York, Chicago, that are looking to limit those fees. I don't think that they're going far enough, you know, limiting them to 15%. Certainly, uh, you know, that's a good start. But um, I don't necessarily know that that's going to go far enough where it needs to go. And, you know, then it's, then there's a, a whole other conversation about, you know, the gig economy and everybody that's supporting that. But, you know, that's neither here nor there.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, and, and and then again, it is both here and there, right? Right. <laughs> and, and the whole the whole world is um, has been shifting for the last few years to this gig economy, and what's what's enabling um, what that has enabled in a lot of spaces, especially for what you're talking about, is like this ability to bid out right delivery as a service. Whereas before, it was either native. It was third party. But now there's this concept of delivery as a service where you can have your own delivery company and and not, um, you know, and, and not pay your own drivers. And I think that's a really cool concept. So I just worked with the Restaurant Technology Network, putting a calculator together where you can analyze the costs based on first party delivery as a service and third party. So you can get a really good understanding of. How your mix should be, and I think you're absolutely yeah. right, is that it's about bringing those people over. Because at the end of the day, there is a there is a viral coefficient, what we call a loyalty coefficient, in the calculator. Where when you own the data, you can invite those customers back, and that's so critical. Because yeah. at the at the end of the day, what you want to do is create this unified experience, and you don't want your online your in-store, your third-party delivery, your curbside pickup, to feel like five different companies, right? right? And so, in your opinion, Chris, how do you unify that guest experience where prior, the channel had so much to do with that experience? Because there was one channel, you come in, you dine in, you get good service, or there was the half channel of you get drive through and things get wrong when you get home and you get ticked off and that's it. Right. Like, right. But now there's so many different channels. Like how do you unify that guest experience in your opinion?
0: Well, I mean, it all comes down to the people, right? I mean, you know, technology is only going to take you so far and it might facilitate that experience, but if you're going to give someone a true unified experience, like I can't do that. I can show you the way I can consult on it. I can give you some really good advice on your people because, you know, folks like, like you and I, like we, we get that, you know, you can walk into a place, you can see what's going on and we have a pretty keen eye for, for how to help people in that, that way. But, you know, the truth is once you give up your food, to a last mile partner, you know, a delivery partner, like it's gone. Right. And so you yeah. have to figure out what are you going to do before then in your workflow to try to give, you know, a fighting chance that when that uh, food arrives, that it's, it's warm, it looks good. It's presented in, in the experiences in, in the way in which you wanted to uh, intend for it to be right. And, you know, one of the companies, um, that I've seen do this really well in the short term with, with COVID is simply uh, PF Changs. I don't know if you've ordered from them. I randomly did a couple of weeks ago and uh, you know, the bags are one-time sealable bags. So like I knew when I picked up that bag that no one, like no air had been inside that bag. You know what I'm saying? And it uh-huh. was just enough where I was like, wow, like this company cares about me. You know, yeah. I never thought I would say that about a corporate restaurant, Really, <laughs> I'm, I'm, you know? And uh, so P.F. Changs, if you're watching this, you're great. And please send me free stuff. Um, But, you know, I think I think what it really comes down to is the way in which uh, we're formulating the new experience, because we know that when things go back to normal or whatever the heck that's going to look like in a year or whatever, um, you know, People are going to go back to eating, dine-in, but they're also going to continue to dine at home and do pickup. They're also going to continue to move towards the convenience of delivery, you know, and I think what we have to prepare ourselves for, and if I ever write a book, I swear to God, if somebody takes this from me, I will, if I ever, if I ever write a book, it'll be, it'll be titled convenience versus fidelity. Because if you look at a lot of the major technological shifts that we've gone through, you look at, uh, cameras, for instance, like, you know, we had these digital cameras that were like 500 bucks. And then somebody was like, no, I can take this really bad picture on this flip phone. And everybody's like, no, let's do that instead. You know, and now we're back to somewhere in the middle where we've got a great, great phone on our camera. You know, you you saw the same thing in music where, you know, you went to uh, a cassette, which was pretty good and then you went to cd which was not as good and then you know digital which was really poor for a while if you are remembering the old napster days oh
1: napster dating myself. not only was it poor but every other week you get a new virus on your computer right right you
0: know, but- you know, now now you've got stuff streaming back at a higher bit rate. You've got a lot of uh, rekindling of nostalgia into vinyl, which is a, a great medium. And so, you know, everything is kind of shifting back. And I think you'll see that a lot in the restaurant space too, where, you know, the consumers are like, oh, convenience, delivery, easy, yeah, let's do it. Um, but at some point, you know, they're gonna want the fidelity of a higher end experience. And so the question is, can, what can you give in your high fidelity experience that you, um, like, what can you give from your existing high fidelity dining experience and transition over into these other methods, you know, and do it well? And I don't think that there's one right answer. Like, I would love to give you some tactical silver bullet, but I just don't know that there is one. What I can say is that I think that there's a lot of things that you can do to mitigate the risk. And I think it's more important to look at what that risk is. And when I say risk, I simply mean the risk to the experience that you're trying to craft, you know. Yeah. So we know that if uh, you know customers doing dine-in seating, like I, I'm, I'm throwing one of my really lovely clients under the bus, but they, uh, they, they have uh, you know dividers in between the tables inside their restaurant, uh-huh. but it's they literally just slung like some some steel piping from chains and then uh, like dangled shower curtains. Oh, you know. Yeah, oh. and like, listen, it works, okay. and it's a cute thing to talk about. But I just don't know that I want to feel like I'm eating in a bathtub, you know?
1: Yeah, and so or, it's like, yeah, or like a hospital, you know, like an ER room. Yeah, it's just it's it's a little right. little interesting. But right. I think now, that, that you're exactly right though. Is that there there are aspects of what we can take, and at the end of the day, the the most the most universal of human desires from Adam, all the way to today is the desire to feel important. And I think the worst thing that you can do is mess up an order and blame it on someone else. Right. And the fact of the matter is that over 30% of all deliveries have some kind of mistake, whether or not, you know, about it. Right. Right. And how are you going to find out? Well, there are tools that can, you know, that can help you or, you'll find out online. That's why online reviews that mention delivery are 1.5 stars less than online reviews that don't on average. And because right. people get there because they're ticked off. Who, you know, P.F. Chang's, you know, just to, just to balance this out, right? Last time I ordered through P.F. Chang's, I got my order so wrong and then no one ever responded to me oh. uh, from, from the review, from the feedback, from the delivery company. And so how does that make me feel well, like I said, that was the last time I ordered it through P.F. Chang's. I'm i may never going to get sh-
0: anything for free from them. <laughs> Man.
1: I, hey, I just need to balance it out. But I will say, may, maybe I'll try now that, that Chris recommended it.
0: <laughs> Listen, I don't say that I recommended it. I just said it came in cool packaging. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, that's awesome, Chris. So what, what would be your last piece of advice to uh, restaurant owners, operators?
0: Uh, Listen, I would say, you know, focus on what you're good at, but also lean into the innovation that exists and, you know, utilize folks like myself, like you, like uh, tons of other people that are out there that are aggregating this stuff together, because I mean, listen, I have a thousand restaurants that have told me every terrible thing and every good thing that they've done over the last 12 months. And I'm sure you have the same. And there are a bunch of other people that are out there. And like, all I'm trying to do is share that wisdom so that you either don't make a bad mistake or at least have somebody patting you on the back going, this is a good idea, go and do that, you know? And so, you know, focus on on folks that have that aggregate uh, knowledge because, you know, we all have been in a restaurant and know that like, that day in day out grind, especially now, and especially now that a lot of states are moving back to takeout only, like it's difficult and it's time consuming and it's, it's kind of overwhelming to be looking at anything else. And so, you know, there are folks out there and tools like what we have uh, to be able to help facilitate
1: those things. Love that, Chris, here are my takeaways. One, closed loop platforms won't be able to keep up, use tools that are gonna be unified too. Third party needs to shift to help your to help you own the customers. Three, uh, technology can help to unify the experience, but at the end of the day, you can't take the people out of the hospitality. Four, what can you give from your dining experience and transition that over to your other channels? Look at that, and then lastly, lean into that innovation because you you have heard it almost on every single podcast. Now is the time. And so it's an awesome time to to be in the restaurant space. Buckle up for an awesome 2021. I'm I'm throwing it out there. I'm placing my bets on the restaurant industry. Things are coming back. Dining's uh, when dining opens up, and the you know uh, vaccine is out there. You know not only are people going to come back and dine in more, but they're going to love the convenience of getting delivery more. Um, so, end of the day, Chris, how do people find you? Follow you.
0: So uh, you can find us online. What is flight.com? I uh, I'm a terrible millennial. So it's F L Y G H T. You know, it's one of those, but uh, you can hit me on LinkedIn. It's LinkedIn uh, slash in or whatever slash rumpf. Cause that's easy. Not R U M P F. It's a terrible <laughs> last name.
1: It's uh, a great last name.
0: Yeah, listen, if you uh, if you want to watch me yell at airlines, which is pretty much all I ever do on Twitter, you can find me a curly the tech guy. And, uh, you know, I'll leave you by saying this, you know, you gave five really good synopsis of this thing. Number two for me is absolutely like the by far and above the most important kick butt with the third parties and figure out a way to move them over to your and in, in your native platform because owning that relationship is the only thing that's going to set you up whether you want to innovate or do anything else later and uh, you're totally right about 2021 I, i've got my my roulette ship on april i think that's when things really start coming back and i think it's going to be an incredibly profitable year for the people that are moving now and preparing
1: I love that. Well, Chris, thank you for joining us and for not only helping the restaurant industry, for giving us some great tips of wisdom, but for those luscious lacks of lion hair. Today's ovation goes to you, man. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, man. See you. Glad you're with us today and thank you. Thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed you're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to ovationup.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.